What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Valenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. It's your host, Natalie Morrison, back with another episode. And we are here with our favorite guest (laughs) co-host. What's up? I'm back. It's definitely (laughs) one. I've been in the wings this whole time, eavesdropping, but I am back. I am back verbally. And thank you for having me. Of course, you're always welcome. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming to you on a special new date. Normally, we come out with the episodes on Tuesdays, but it is Monday and tomorrow's election day. So we felt that we didn't want to step on the toes of the importance of election day. So we're coming to you on a Monday. Yeah. And encouraging you to vote if you haven't voted yet. (laughs) Please, 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 please. Let this be one last little voice in your ear. Let's do it. Steph, we have a pretty awesome episode today. We really do. And it just crossed my mind that it's great because this has been a year where a lot kind of feels overwhelming and not that great. And, um, and, And our guest today is a really good example of something that really feels really hopeful and is doing some great work in the world. The, the events of 2020, notwithstanding she's rocking it. So, yeah. Yeah. So with that said, I'm honored to introduce Tiffany Delilah Miranda, who is an accomplished DJ producer, engineer, singer, and founder of the nonprofit organization Girls Make Beats. Yeah. And she is as epic as all of that sounds. And so truly, like embodies all of it. Seriously. Oh my gosh, it was so great to talk to her. I know. I guess we can give just a little tiny background, but basically Girls Make Beats is an organization that brings audio engineering and DJing and producing to young girls all over the country and the world. Yep. 
It's it's a mission it, it's a mission driven thing with that sprung out of Tiffany's own experience in the studio at a young age. She just saw that there needed to be safer spaces and more more women in engineering and in producing and in 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 all aspects of the studio world. So she is on a mission to to uh, to up those really staggering stats that we go into in the episode too, and and just again absolutely rocking it. So. It's it's so cool what Girls Make Beats is doing and the headway they've made in a relatively short time. Yeah. And as we are talking about this, she was just featured in Forbes. So shout yeah. out to Tiffany for that because that's whoop, whoop. incredible. And I will have the article linked in the description below. Woohoo. Awesome. Well, with that being said, I think we should just get into the interview. Thanks for joining, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, and I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful conversation with Tiffany Miranda. Let's do this. Hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for joining Swim Masters. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, ladies, so much for having me. Yay, and I'm I'm personally so excited to talk to you today, Tiffany, too. As an engineer and producer myself, you are just doing doing the good work. So I'm I'm so excited to to share your story with everybody. So um yeah. So just to I guess I'll kick it off. So I was thinking of like how to even encapsulate the the beginnings of your career because you've done so 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 much. So you started as a recording artist and and since then you've kind of you've you've done everything. So in this route to finding your your niche in producing and audio and in and your nonprofit work. Did you always at your core kind of know what your passion was or were you kind of, was it more of a circuitous route kind of trial and error kind of vibe? Just thinking that as, as you know, all the, all the girls that were mentoring and stuff coming up, like it's so helpful to hear other people's paths and, and the different ways that everybody kind of feels it out. So just would love to hear what, what that was like for you. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely start with saying that my pathway has evolved uh, tremendously because, as you mentioned, my initial dream and goal was to be a singer. I started singing when I was 11 years old. I got offered my first contract at 15, um, and I was very heavily involved in the Miami scene, but also at the same time, I was the lead singer for our music band. And I was learning about all the jazz greats from, you know, Etta James to Ella Fitzgerald and Billie yeah. Holiday. And I just fell in love with the way that they were using their instruments. And I really wanted to incorporate that in my music. And I found it very frustrating, you know, um, at a young age when I would go to the studio and attempt to use my instrument in that manner. Um, you know, it was kind of frowned upon and, you know, there was a different direction. And I noticed very early on that all of the creative control in the room were coming from men. Um, so in my early journey as a producer and engineer, as I mentioned, it evolved eventually into that. It grew from the frustration of not having, you know, my own creative control and say over my projects. And I noticed um, in one of the sessions I was in with a producer, I took notice of, you know, the keyboard they were using and the software they were using, program called Pro Tools at the time. I think it was like Pro Tools 6, <laughs> kind of dating myself here. But. <laughs> uh, but I was like, whatever it is that they have in this room, 
I need to have that and I need to learn how to master it. And I, you know, came across that, um, those thoughts very early on again in my career. So as I made my way through, you know, vigorously still singing and trying out for competitions, I was on American Idol and X Factor. And, you know, those were all really great experiences as well. And just kind of opening my eyes to how many, you know, people have the same goal and dream. And, you know, you always hear that the music industry is really competitive, but when you're sleeping on a floor with about 5,000 people before the night of an audition, (laughs) and then another 5,000 lineup after, it really kind of puts things into perspective for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. That's for sure. (laughs) So nonetheless, um, you know, kind of keeping that in in the forefront, I I knew that I had to do something that, um, you know, empowered me to create my own music and also to stand out. So I started falling in love with production. And, you know, I come from a a household where I was raised with a lot of emotional support. Um, However, financially, we weren't really in a place where, you know, my parents can just pay for lessons or get me a keyboard or anything of that nature. Um, But they were like, if you want to be a rocket scientist, whatever it is you want to do, you have our full support you know, emotionally. So I was very blessed and fortunate to have that from an early age. Um, However, you know, it was not easy to obtain my own home studio and start creating. And, you know, I I worked various jobs and overtime just so I could save up and I would go visit my equipment at Guitar Center, you know. (laughs) And I, I was very, very diligent about the setup I wanted it was a very specific keyboard. It was a Roland Phantom S88, mm. which I love dearly to this day. And then, you know, working on getting an audio interface. And this when it started opening my eyes to engineering. I remember after I got the keyboard, I was like, well, okay, this is the keyboard that all the professionals are using, but why doesn't my, se- my stuff sound the way, you know, music sounds on the radio? Why is it not of that quality? So that was just yeah. a whole rabbit <laughs> hole <laughs> of, you know, being introduced to engineering. Yes. And I fell in love with it. I literally built my home studio from the ground up and just piece by piece. And, um, I initially started working with local clients, you know, friends of my sisters that wanted to like sing or rap or, you know, local friends in the neighborhood and, you know, was so uh, enamored with, you know, the skill set, the kind of the control aspect of it, of being, you know, in charge of a vision and, you know, it's big responsibility. And, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to expand my resume outside of like my local friends. So I started to apply for internships in Miami at a couple of the major recording studios. And I landed one um, that wasn't really the uh, internship that was in my best interest. Uh, It's where I was exposed to um, the fact that, you know, there were so few women that were in those Mm. fields. And then on top of that, not really respected because of the fact that I was a female, because Mm. I would come in on time, I would do the work. Literally, I remember the first day that I started the internship, you know, um, they opened up a uh, closet full of cables and they're like, okay, well, this is going to be your duty for the next couple of weeks, wrapping cables. And they're like, do you know how to wrap a cable? And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I just wrap it around in a circle. And they're like, no, that's not how you wrap a cable. This is a, so they showed me the proper way. And I spent my first probably about two weeks in that closet, just wrapping cables and organizing the cables. And I have no problem with doing the dirty work. But I say all of that to say this, that I did put in the work. And, you know, there were interns that would come in after me 
that were of my male counterpart and they were able to sit in on sessions and I would like beg, like, can I just at least have the SSL book so I can look at that and learn something while I'm sitting here all these hours. And, you know, it it was just kind of like, oh, well, you need to earn your way into that. And, you know, those, I just realized, yeah, I just, I I was like, this is not for me. This is not where I need to be to grow. And, um, you know, but very grateful for those those experiences because you know the many challenges that I face in the industry have led me to create Girls mm-hmm. Make Beats. Um, luckily, I was able to see that that internship was not going to be doing anything in return for me. <laughs> so, you know, pretty early on, so I um, continued to keep my nose to the grind, and I would just be in studio sessions. If I had a friend who was a producer and they were in the studio, I was like, "Can I just come to your session, even if I'm a fly on the wall? Like, I just want to." Be be around music. I love music and I want to learn as much as I can about it. Um, so there was a studio I used to frequent called Sobe Swag Labs and the manager took notice and he was like, you know, you're here all the time for every session, every, they would also do events there where they would like showcase talent. And I would, for any excuse I had to be there, mm-hmm. I would be there. I would be playing on their baby grand piano for hours. And, you know, he was like, I, would like to offer you an in-house engineer position. So that was really, you know, a groundbreaking opportunity for me because, uh, you know, prior to that, I wasn't really being taken seriously. Um, so I was determined <laughs> to make the most out of that opportunity. And I worked my butt off. Like I was always the first person there, the last to leave the room. If I was booked for a session, I was there at least an hour ahead, you know, and I think my work ethic eventually help to, you know, erase, you know, some of those um, kind of stereotypes that I was getting previously. I mean, I would literally be in the room behind the SSL. They had a duality with a Pro Tool session up. An artist would come in and be like, okay, so where's the engineer? <laughs> and I'm like, you're kind of looking at her. You know, I wasn't just <laughs> yeah. the for you. You know, so having to deal with a lot of that initially, but again, you know, ultimately, putting in the work and um, building my resume, I became um, pretty well respected at the studio. So much so that one of the artists that would frequent the studio was like, you're going to be my engineer. And it just so happened that this artist was signed to Pitbull. And so I started going to Pitbull studio, whom I had met when I was 15. Uh You know, Pitbull was actually in the room when I was offered my first contract. And he really served as a big brother to me in the industry and was one of the first people to, you know, take me around to different studios. I would sing hooks for him. And um, he was just like a huge support system. So for the the fact that the world came back around and, you know, I was able to work at a studio as an engineer was, was really cool, you know, to experience. And, um, as I was working at that particular studio, some friends of mine, Cool and Dre, they're uh, producers, pretty big producers in Miami. And uh, I had worked with them years prior to, and like saying hooks with hooks for them before their kind of career took off. And um, here we are full circle again. My mom's having a casual conversation, bragging about her kids as she always does <laughs> with somebody at the gym. And they're like, well, yeah, do you guys by any chance know Cool and Dre? And then my mom's like, yeah, actually, my daughter used to sing hooks for them like a long time ago. And, um, you know, she was like, well, she's engineering and she's doing all this cool stuff. And they're like, oh, they should totally meet again. So winded up having a session with them. And they were like, well, how good are you? How good of an engineer are you? And I was like, well... 
I can show you better than I can tell you. So if you want to book a session, let's do it. So booked a session with them. They were so impressed that they had me work with various artists that would come to the studio. And, you know, that's where I got an opportunity to work with people like DJ Khaled and Fat Joe and eventually Rick Ross and, and really start to build my credentials on my resume. But all the while, Girls Make Beats has been growing parallel to my career because there was, you know, just this immense passion for me to create a space for girls to A, be introduced to these amazing fields that are, you know, uh, give you the creative control that you want over your projects, but then also, you know, to do it in a comfortable environment where they don't have to feel like they're the only girl in the room. Um, So, you know, luckily every opportunity that has kind of, um, you know, evolved through even my personal work as an engineer and relationships and things like that, that I've been able to, to grow has, uh, you know, been able to transcend to the organization. And now we're getting so much support from the music industry and it's, it's just been really great. That's amazing. And I love the fact that early on in your career, you saw an interest that you were like, I want to know about this. And you did everything in your power to teach yourself about the engineering world. You never gave up and you pushed yourself to get these experiences so that you could have a well-rounded career and focus for your own passions. And I, I just admire that so much. Thank you. Yes, no, definitely. I am. Um, I'm super passionate about you know the art of engineering and production. And uh, it's funny because I tell my girls now, you know, they have access to literally everything at their fingertips. You know, with having iPhones and you know access to tutorials and YouTube University. And when I was first getting into it, you know, without dating myself again too much, but there was no YouTube. There was zero. When you were asking for the book while you were there, like that's, that's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would literally take the bus on 88th street to Barnes and Nobles, which was like a 30 minute. I don't know if anybody can relate, but it has been on Kendall drive before, (laughs) but it takes about 45 minutes to go one mile. So I would take the bus to our local Barnes and Nobles and there was a Pro Tool 6 book that I would go there and read and kind of, you know, take some notes and look over my shoulder and like, oh, I hope they don't kick me out for not buying this book. But, you know, and that's initially how I learned. And then everything else is more so, you know, being a fly in the wall, doing the internships, um, trying to absorb as much knowledge as possible. Um, So the fact that the girls have you know, such great access to technology is, is really a plus. That's oh, awesome. yeah. Well, and I, I as like, I, as I'm building out my own home studio too, it's so daunting. So like, I can't even imagine, I still had a really hard time with the internet at my fingertips in the last few years trying to figure out what to do. So like, how did you, was that all just through your sessions and stuff that you were just kind of like soaking in what you'd, what you wanted for all of your stuff or like, because that's such an overwhelming task that you just like attacked. I love it. Like how, how did you, how did you pick all of your, your setup too? So in regards to the setup that I wanted to obtain, it more so was just from being in the room with other producers. And, you know, there was kind of like this whole culture thing, which I kind of, in a way, really miss um, now that technology is king, (laughs) or shall I say Mm -hmm. queen, Um, because there was like this secret culture, like there was like, you had to be in the room. Right. Where it was like you had to, first of all, work your way to even be in the room. And then when you were in the room, you know, 
you would be able to ask questions like, oh, well, where'd you get this, you know, those kicks and those snares? And, you know, and if you were able to work your way through it well enough, you know, you maybe would have gotten a thumb drive with the sounds, you know? So <laughs> that was kind of like a whole culture thing, I think, within the, the music studios. That was So basically cool. you had um, to be in the room where it yeah, happened, really... if we're quoting Hamilton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Correct. Exactly. And that's totally changed too. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not fully, but it, it is totally, it is different. There's, there's less of that. I don't know. A lot of the same barriers I feel like still exist, but that is one that is not, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of blown wide open, the, <laughs> the lid off of all the, all that. Yeah. Which is also a beautiful thing though, you know, cause it definitely um, provides accessibility to those who maybe didn't have access before with, you know, things like splice and, you know, now you can rent plugins and, you know, it's, it's really cool. And, and it's, you know, with plugins even being made into softwares now. So it's not this like ridiculous piece of hardware, that most people wouldn't be able to afford, <laughs> you know, so. Totally. Well, I was, I was thinking that as you were talking about building your studio, that is a huge, huge barrier for people because it is so expensive. All of the stuff is still so expensive. So yeah, like things like Splice, like the renting, that's, it's, yeah. it's making it a lot more accessible, which has probably really been useful for you in building your organization. Yeah. So actually Absolutely. that helps segue into Natalie's question she wants <laughs> so, to ask you. <laughs> so, awesome. There we go. Let's, let's get back on track. All good. Got it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Girls Make Beats, your organization, your heart and soul. When did you establish Girls Make Beats? And let's, can you walk us through the evolution of this idea into what the fully fledged organization looks like today. So I started Girls Make Beats in 2012 as a Facebook page, and then we got incorporated in 2013. Um, but really, the goal again was to create the space for girls to become music producers and say it with their, you know, shoulders back and their head held high. I am a music producer. I am a DJ. I am an engineer. And again, it's been, you know, quite the journey in parallel to my career and, you know, facing a lot of challenges as a woman and being the only woman in the room and, and wanting to create this new opportunity for girls. So it has evolved tremendously um, over the years when we first started, actually, and I say we because my sister is actually one of the founding sisters of the organization. She has been there for me from literally day one. We're like attached at the hip, like so much so that our birthdays are one day apart, but two years, wow. I'm two years wow. older than her. Yeah. She was almost born on my birthday. It's kind of a thing, but, um, <laughs> but she had always been there. Um, her and my mom, my dad as well. They're all very supportive, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but she took the route of being an attorney and she wanted to become an attorney to become my music attorney. And wow. um, she would be there through all of my frustrations, all the nights I would come home crying, like, why is this happening to me? So she's literally been there from like day one. So when I decided I wanted to do Girls Make Beats, she's like, you have my full support. You know, at the time we had zero funding. So she allowed me to use her credit card to get our first setup, um, which mm. con was comprised of a laptop. Um, an Ableton push and a tractor controller. And we started doing these workshops with the schools. Um, we actually partnered with Miami-Dade County 
uh, for what we call our school tour. Basically, it was just uh, presentations for career days for like 11 schools back to back. So we were able to introduce, you know, Girls Make Beats to all of these, you know, amazing young kids. And they were just so excited about it. And, you know, at that time, we were also reaching out to manufacturers and, you know, saying like, this is what we're trying to do. And, you know, either they would respond and say like, unfortunately, it's a no at this time, or they wouldn't respond at all. Um, so it's like, we, we really have to do something about this. So um, we winded up, you know, capturing a lot of footage of, you know, working with the girls and getting them excited and uh, came across an opportunity through a friend who runs uh, an avid Pro Tools training program. And he had mentioned something about NAM, And I was like, oh, wow, like NAM sounds amazing. It sounds like basically Guitar Center on steroids. Like I would love to know. It would be like a dream come true. And he's like, well, if we're really serious about it, I can get you a ticket and also a ticket for your sister. And I was like, really? And he was like, yes. You know, at the time I was living in Miami, which is where I started the organization. And so I was like, okay, a trip to LA. This sounds amazing. So we winded up going and we went to every booth. And when I say I'm from Miami, I made the mistake of coming in heels. Oh no! Oh, no. Like, yes. We've all done it. I was We've like, "Why it. did I do this to myself?" Like, I literally <laughs> felt like my feet were bleeding. And but you know, we were relentless. We were like, "We have to go talk to Avid, and we have to go talk to Focusrite, and we have to go." And we just hit all the booths that we thought could be potential partners, and showed them the pictures. And we were like, "This is the vision. This is what we want to do." And luckily, a lot of those manufacturers responded, you know, with support in the the realm of equipment. We had received a donation from Ableton. We had about 12 pushes that we started off with, but no computers. So that that was quite the challenge. And luckily, we were able to um, find a funder. Uh, We applied for a grant for uh, the computers, and we were finally able to you know, put the studio together. We had partnered with a local recording studio, Studio Center Miami, um, which a good friend of mine, Hector, um, was running at the time. And funny story, now Pitbull owns. So kind of funny how everything goes full circle. But anyways, uh, we would do an after school program and it was like the most beautiful thing to see. Our first day of the program, a big yellow school bus pulling up to the studio and 15 girls running out with excitement. And coming into this room where, like, I literally am all about the experience. I took our, we had some JBL speakers. I had went to Michael's a couple of nights before, and I wrapped them in pink and purple and put rhinestones on them. Oh, my gosh. Um, the entire room was dark. We took off all the lights. We put a disco light in there. We got the girls' cat headphones that, like, lit up. They were, like, all, so it was, like, walking into this whole experience. Every day that they would walk into class, we'd have music playing you know, and just like creating a whole um, really creative vibe for them. So it's further transcended. So from having the one laptop, a lot of candy and, (laughs) you know, one DJ controller, one, one Ableton push to having, you know, 12 full on stations equipped with Pro Tools and Ableton and Serato. Um, And eventually we got support from Pioneer DJ. They also donated some DJ controllers and we were running this after school program in a studio. So it really started to grow and expand. And we had young girls reaching out to us from all over the nation. And they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. I wish you had this in Atlanta. I wish you had this in Chicago. I wish you had it in New York. So of course, I was like, we have to figure out how to bring this program to these girls. 
And I put together a whole plan. I already had it in my mind, whether we had to put it on credit cards. I was like, we're doing a tour during the summer and we're going to go work with all of these amazing girls. And luckily at the very last second, Toyota oh. came on board as our title oh. sponsor. Yes. And wow. we did a six city tour. Uh, myself and two other um, good friends of mine, Stitches, who's our Miami chapter leader, and Abby, who was our program director in Miami. And between the three of us, we were lugging like four 50-pound bags that had all of the equipment in it, aside from the pushes. The, uh, we had a deal with Ableton where they sent the pushes to each city, but all of the DJ controllers, the laptops, the headphones, the t-shirts, everything. And we were like lugging around <laughs> on like still a shoestring bud- budget, but we managed to make it through six different cities and work with nearly 60 amazing young girls and, um, you know, really start to expand our work. We partnered with iHeartRadio. They helped to get the word out in every city. We brought the girls to major recording studios in every city. Toyota provided us with um, vehicles in every city so that we can get them around to, like, the various field trips. We brought them to iHeartRadio stations. We did a closeout event um, at the at each city that consisted of a, a DJ performance. So the girls were able to DJ for their friends and family in a oh. beach showcase and a panel um, called our women making waves panel, where we had music industry professionals come in and, and mentor the girls and the girls had a chance to engage with them and do like a Q and a and everything. So it was really, really amazing and helped us, you know, further expand um, our mission in these other cities. And now the, the landscape that we're in, obviously, you know, we're in pandemic and all yes. this craziness um, going on in the world. But um, there really have been some great opportunities for the organization to reach even more girls. So this past summer, we um, partnered, actually, we had a, a substantial uh, donation from Facebook and also these producers, um, Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury. Spotify also contributed as well and a company named Airbit. And we were able to provide 60 scholarships for girls ages 7 to 17 throughout the world. We'd have Zoom classes, yes, with like girls. And just in one call, you'd have a girl in Atlanta, one in New York, one in Miami, one in Brazil, one in the UK. So it was a really, really amazing, um, you know, opportunity to connect with girls and help girls all over the world, which is ultimately our goal. So yeah, it's definitely transformed quite a bit. We've also had a lot of support, like I said, from the music industry. So again, through the pandemic, you know, we were trying to come up with some creative ways to keep the girls engaged and inspired and creative. And so we launched our Girls Make Beats Masterclass series. We've had, you know, everybody from the co-president of Rock Nation do a workshop with the girls, um, Grammy-winning producers. We just had Cool and Dre, funny cool. enough, hosting <laughs> like a full circle. They came on board just two days ago and did a masterclass with the girls. Um, we've had Corey Rooney, who produces for J-Lo. We've had Marcella Areco, who's an incredible engineer out of Miami, and a good friend of mine, she's amazing. And, um, you know, just constantly evolving to, you know, create these unique opportunities for the girls. They did a remix for Janet Jackson mm. for her uh, single with Daddy Yankee. She officially endorsed Sick. that and printed it up on vinyl and invited the girls to a live performance <laughs> where she performed it in front of thousands of oh people. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, it's I literally still pinch myself, you know, like amazing opportunities like that. And then... Um, just prior to the pandemic, the girls were involved with a um, an initiative with Ford, 
And uh, they were able to sit in a voiceover session with Angela oh. Bassett. Oh, wow. And he was just like, when you say like the queen of Wakanda, <laughs> oh my God. Like, like her energy in the room is just amazing and so inspiring. The girls got to, you know, speak with her and they did a content piece and our girls produced the original music for it. Um so it was just, you know, great opportunities that that have definitely evolved. And then again, one of our other online initiatives is our Girls Make Beats TV mm. online. Uh, we actually shot a whole pilot for a TV show, which is a show for girls by girls. Mm. Um, and of course, the pandemic hit. So we we're like, well, we don't want to lose the momentum. So let's move it to the online space. So we moved that to the online space. And our first guest was Janelle oh. Monet. Oh, uh, like Ford, <laughs> like, okay, this is actually happening. It's pretty unreal. So we had Janelle Monet following that was Chloe and Hallie. Um, another, you know, insanely talented, you know, duo artist group and um, Tanache as well as super talented and, you know, wanted to be involved in supporting the girls. So it's just, it's been a little overwhelming when like unreal and surreal and just, amazing to see like where it started from. But again, you know, as you mentioned before, it is my passion and my purpose in life. And, you know, I'm just happy to see it evolving. Absolutely. If there are people and girls who want to get involved with Girls Make Beats, how does one go about doing that? So the way you can get involved with Girls Make Beats, um, we have registrations open for young girls who are interested in taking classes. And then we try to fulfill uh, scholarships throughout the year so they can register online at www.girlsmakebeats.org register. We also encourage those who want to get involved and volunteer to reach out via the website as well on the contact page. Um, when the world opens up, we typically have a lot more volunteer opportunities as it relates to events and things like that that the girls are a part of. And then also donations. Um, 95% of our programming is scholarship-based, and we're really passionate about making sure that we provide those scholarships to girls in underserved communities. So um, I know we've done some pretty big things, but we're a very small nonprofit organization, and we rely heavily on you know donations, grants, and sponsorships. So anybody who's interested in contributing can go to girlsmakebeats.org slash donate. And then also, of course, follow us on Instagram at girlsmakebeats for the latest updates. And I'll link everything in the description of the episode so you can check right down there as well. Amazing. I think, well, yeah, and let's, I want to piggyback off that because you guys have, you've been killing it that's so so amazing just congratulations on all of that that's oh and so that's that's so cool so i think and and then so cycling back a little bit if someone i think when you're in this world you know it very clearly but why girls make beats like why we know why this is so important but like how what is your kind of elevator pitch for people that are listening that might not understand like what what the giant divide really is in in our corner of of the industry so there are some pretty staggering statistics as it relates to women and girls in music technology. Just recently, the uh, Recording Academy released statistics that women account for 3% of audio engineers and 2% of music producers. So the reason wow. we do our work is definitely to help amplify girls in those fields. And it goes beyond a statistic. I mean, when you think about music, music is life. 
music impacts mm-hmm. culture. It it affects the way we communicate with each other, what we wear, what's cool, what's not, you know? So it's like the fact that women, and I've experienced this firsthand, are not a huge part of the inception of the creative control process from, from the music production standpoint to the overall just kind of, you know, goal of where the music is heading. If we're not truly imprinted in that, it's not really our true selves being reflected in culture. So our goal is really to position girls in these fields so that they can be empowered to not just make their own music, but to further impact culture. Absolutely incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Just also thank you for doing this work. It's amazing. (laughs) I I think it sounds like with you, I've, I've heard the quote that like, Picasso and, you know, was questionable in terms of how he was as a human being, I think. But like it's been said that he like he was you you reminded me of this quote that's like what he did and who he was were the same. Like it bled into that. And I think this kind of it it encapsulates you and your career and and your work with Girls Make Beats. But so just how how do you balance still having your own creative career with your passion for this organization and making it possible for other girls to have this career? Like what does that look like for you? Tang like day to day ish almost. <laughs> what advice do you have? It is definitely very challenging, I would say, because, you know, I wear so much of the business cap throughout the day and, you know, it goes beyond a 40 hour job. Like this is a lifelong, you know, life consuming Mm -hmm. mission, you know, and I'm very passionate about it. So, you know, a typical day might be anything from me handling the admin side of things and getting on conference calls and to building up the curriculum, to teaching the girls, to, you know, mixing and mastering their stuff and making sure that, you know, just it's all kinds of, you know, different hats that I wear in the day. So one thing that I've been really, really conscious of recently is making time for my creative space. And it's funny because my girls actually hold me accountable for that. You know, they're like, Miss Tiffany, we love your voice. When are you going to sing again? Miss Tiffany, where's your project coming out? So actually, as we speak, I rented a studio space at a female-owned studio. Um, It's Level 8 Studios. It's ran by a very talented entrepreneur and recording artist named Mean Girl. And um, I just fell in love with the space and the energy and the fact that it was female-owned. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rent a room here and I'm going to make sure that I come here to be in a creative space. And I've had the place now for about three weeks. And within that time frame, I've been able to work on nearly 12 songs. And four of those are done with uh, several of our girls yes. in the program where they co-produced it, co-wrote it. They're on the tracks. Yeah. So, you know, really being conscious of the fact that, you know, I want when the girls look at in their eyes, I'm Miss Tiffany, right? When they look at me, for me to be a reflection of what it is that I'm empowering them to do, which is to follow their dreams and be creatives and, you know, and and make sure that they make time for that at all times as well. So I'm just now finally <laughs> coming full circle. And I always say it's kind of like having a baby. I I consider all of the girls in my program my kids, mm. by the way, so I have like hundreds of kids. But um, I do say it's like having, it's a lot like having a child, you know, in the very beginning stages of me starting the organization, you know, requires 150% of mommy's time. It's an mm-hmm. infant, you know, it needs the nourishment, it needs the nurturing, it needs all of that. 
And, you know, as, you know, we're progressing and finally, you know, we're eight years in now and now it's like, finally, I can get a little more comfortable delegating and, you know, um, really watching it walk, you know, it was crawling and now it's starting to walk. So with that being said, it gives mom some time to go to her music gym and, you know, take care of mom and be creative, which I think is important. I love that. And our next item in the agenda was talking about you are killing it with the with the embracing the online stuff too. So is there anything specific you're finding that you guys need right now? Like anything other than what you covered before that comes to top of mind that you think is a specific need that you're running into like in this current reality? Yes. So some of the challenges that we experienced over the summer and working with the girls was compatibility for softwares. Um, you know, finding out that Ableton didn't work on Chromebooks. And, you know, we had to kind of find creative ways where, you know, the girls, some of them were learning in Ableton, but simultaneously I was teaching the other girls in GarageBand. So having that cross-platform kind of, you know, teaching was a a, a little challenging. Um, So, you know, I found that, you know, not all girls, you know, have the opportunity to have access to specific pieces of hardware that are needed to be compatible with a lot of the things that we're teaching. Um, so we are exploring some other platforms. Uh, I know like Soundtrap has an online-based one, so we're exploring that. However, we also were limited to music production, and a big part of our uh, work is also teaching girls to become DJs, and that also requires equipment. So there are some needs for equipment, shipping, things like that. Um, Again, donations help to offset a lot of those costs for us internally. So we really, really encourage anybody who's interested in getting involved and helping us empower these amazing young girls to be the future leaders of music um, to donate at girlsmakebeats.org. Amazing. So what advice would you give, but also I bet you do give this advice to your girls and anyone in general who want to embark in a career in audio or in nonprofit work and more specifically focused to girls and women? So my advice to any girl that is interested in getting involved in engineering, production, or even the nonprofit world is really to find people that see your vision and be very cautious of what energy you keep around you, because that has such a huge influence on the decisions you make daily. So I always start there because, you know, from a spiritual sense, like you have to be in the right mind frame to be able to tackle something as difficult as the music industry, and especially as a girl. And you really need to know your stuff. You have to, unfortunately, go the extra mile. And I say unfortunately, but it's not really unfortunate because, you know, in in my experience, it pushed me to be that much better. I was, I had to be the fastest person in the room. I had to be the smartest person in the room, you know? So that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is unfortunate that, you know, as women, we have to go the extra mile in order to be taken seriously. So yeah, my advice again, you know, just build your tribe wisely and, you know, just learn everything you can be a student of the art of your craft and learn every intricacy, subscribe to every website, you know, technology is constantly evolving, you know, you want to know and have, you know, informed conversations with people when you're talking about the latest plugins or the latest technology or things that are impacting the music production engineering fields. And then from a nonprofit standpoint, I would highly suggest 
looking into, you know, forming nonprofits that serve a need in your community, you know, and as young people, I feel like we have so much insight and beautiful, like, things to offer. And unfortunately, I would sit in a lot of these meetings with, you know, whether it was like city council or, you know, grant workshops or, you know, all all kinds of things that I was just like hungry to learn more about the nonprofit world. And there were very few, first of all, young people, and there were very few women. And I feel like that needs to change. Like there should be a nonprofit just for teaching young people how to create nonprofits because there's this huge <laughs> there's this huge disconnect. There really yeah. is. It's like you have these older people who want to connect with youth and then they have failed programs and they lose funding because they're not able to relate to them at their level. Whereas, you know, some younger professionals might come up with some innovative ideas to keep the kids engaged. And there is a need, you know, for for this particular programming, but maybe it wasn't implemented the right way because they didn't have that insight, you know. So um, definitely encourage, you know, for young people to go out there and, and, and nonprofit, not necess- necessarily as it relates to music, but just being in the nonprofit world, finding something that you're passionate about and contributing to it and learning as much as you can about it. So as we wrap up this awesome conversation, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are you most excited about that's coming up for Girls Make Beats and also in your own producing career? An artist career. career. I guess your your next thing is going to yeah, be an artistry. Artist it's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I am super excited about a project that we are currently working on. And again, as I mentioned, I rented the studio. We were working on this really cool project and it has evolved into this amazing vision. Um, We've also been collecting just tons of content over the years of the girls from the interview process to, you know, the behind the scenes of the classroom to their live performances, to their field trips and performances, just everything. So we are compiling what I call our docu-musical. <laughs> and it's going to be kind of our introduction to the rest of the world that doesn't know about us, um, about who Girls Make Beats is, why we're here, and the music is all going to be composed by our girls. Some of it already, like I said, is done and has been. And, you know, it's just a beautiful project um, that I think we can utilize art in the video and movie realm or film realm to um, really amplify the mission and why it's so important. So definitely really, you know, excited about that project, as well as just overall expansion. We are working with some of our partners and having conversations around, you know, expanding globally. So super excited about making this a movement where girls feel empowered all over the entire world. Amazing. And and on that too, I think you mentioned that you had chapters. Is that how you guys are expanding where you're you're tapping into chapters wherever people are interested or how has mm-hmm. that looked for expansion? So we have uh, two official chapters, one in Miami and one in LA, but as you know, we've been navigating the pandemic and trying to find, you know, the best ways to expand. Um, we're actually moving more so into a club based model, uh, student leadership based. So we're starting to build alliances with schools and districts so that students can have access to the real world opportunities through our organization, uh, through girls make beats clubs in their so schools. Smart. Amazing. So cool. Thank you so much, Tiffany. This has been so fabulous. Yes. Thank you. 
so much. Thank you, ladies. It's been so amazing. Just love the energy <laughs> yeah. here. And I love the fact that, you know, it's smart women in music. We're doing amazing things and the world just needs to see it. So thank you, ladies, for amplifying oh, yeah. that. Thank you for being someone we can amplify. Seriously. You're, you're, like I said, you're doing the good work. That's that's why we're all here, right? We, and, and I was thinking that as you were saying earlier, it's it's just creating these spaces. So even down to your 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 putting work into the room that you brought the girls in too, like that all is so important in creating these spaces where we don't feel like we're other, like we're right. like we belong, right? So that I'm I just bow before you and and in committing to this this work. So thank thank you thank you thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's honestly the most fulfilling part of my life. So I always say I owe the girls more than they could ever thank me. I have to thank them even more because it's like the feeling is literally overwhelming, but like, like it's an overwhelming joy and like seeing them blossom. And a lot of the girls, you know, from day one, they'll come in and they're super shy. And, you know, when they first join the program, they have to pick a DJ name. So they go by their DJ alter ego for like the remainder. And once a girls make beats girl, always a girls make beats girl. Cause we have a community and our girls have been with us for years. Um, but just really the beauty of being able to see them transform in just such a short amount of time and how it boosts their confidence. You know, that to me is priceless. Thanks for listening to this episode of swim masters. Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things swim. We'd love it if you'd share and leave us a review. If you would like to learn more, please visit www.smartwomeninmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond and Natalie Morrison. See you next time.